0: I'm Kate Daniels, and with me is business leadership expert, Dr. Wayne Applewhite. Dr. Wayne Applewhite, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning.
1: Kate, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Well, I am delighted to have you here to speak with us this morning because we're going to be talking about work, work life balance, and really all the ways that we can be collaborators in our workplace to make it be the best that it can be. Does that sound right?
1: It sounds good. Yes, yes.
0: Well, you certainly have put a lot of your life energy into this. Uh, more recently, coming out with a new book along this topic. You know, it's a verb, right? Which is a very interesting title for a book.
1: It it is, and it, it's fun. Jennifer Millius, my co-author and friend, um, when we finally settled on that. Title: We were happy with it um, because we're really talking about leadership, but the word lead is what we're really speaking to when we say, you know, it's a verb, right? And that's lead because every dictionary we open up to find a definition of leadership, it says to lead. What is that? (laughs) So so, so we're talking about, yeah, it's a verb and, and let's do verb things as leaders.
0: So that's certainly a big part or the part of our employment situation. Well, certainly leadership is throughout life, but here we're talking about our work, our employment, and leadership there, and uh, how employees really fit into how things are in the workplace. Because there was a study, I guess, that came out just recently from the World Health Organization that said people are working much too long, or long hours, and it's very unhealthy.
1: You're right. And yes, and that article actually came out in 2016. Ooh. So it, it was pre-COVID, so it had nothing to do with COVID, but it had everything to do with how we as the nation of America or the world basically works, because as you well know, the old adage, time is money. And, and people think they have to you know, spend every time making that bottom line dollar. And there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of all kinds of things going on. And as employees, as employers, um, we get stressed out or they get stressed out, and you have to watch that. There's got to be a good balance to fend that uh, stress off, and hopefully that's what we're talking about today.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, we're now in basically a transition period where there's been, for many people, a work-from-home kind of situation, for those of us who have had that good fortune, of course, for a lot of frontline workers uh, in the medical profession, no, that's not been the case. And that's a a whole separate issue, I think, about having work-life balance. But for those of us who have maybe been work from home, now we're transitioning back into the workplace. And what is your sense of In the work from home, were we working a lot more than we would if we were going into our office or our building situations? Or what are we dealing with?
1: You know, that's a great question, Kate. And the answer is it's all over the map Mm. because, yes, there are individuals who have worked longer hours because they're at home because they're in a much more relaxed atmosphere so they can take their time and they can do things at their own pace, at their own rate. If they want to take a walk in the afternoon, like just before we, <laughs> just before this discussion that you and I are having, I walk for about 45 minutes to clear my head, to clear my mind, um, to prepare for the rest of the day, because obviously I started earlier than that. But individuals who work at home, they have found, one, immediately it's a real environment, because they're in a comfortable place in the space. They have all of their artifacts on the walls, all of their things on the tables, plants at home, and it's just a much more relaxed pace. The boss is not looking at them every five minutes. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) And so so they didn't have to have that hour-and-a-half commute one way, you know, so there's no stress of people cutting you off or making gestures towards you because they didn't think that you were driving correctly. You know, all of that stuff is gone as we sit at home, because what, from the time we wake up to shower, it we're 30 seconds downstairs, upstairs, or across the hall, and we're at work. And it's a much more evenly paced environment.
0: Doesn't it sound like a much more healthy situation? It absolutely
1: <laughs> does. <laughs> it sure does. Now, obviously, there are people who can't do that. Like. as you said, the health professions. And my heart goes out to them and my prayers that they continue to do the things that they're doing. But, you know, every industry doesn't have that, I, I guess, flexibility to work from home. Look at the restaurants, hospitality. They got hit very, very hard. Um, amusement parks got hit very, very hard. You can't, run a roller coaster from home no you've got to be there and oh well, by the way you've got to have people on the roller coaster but that wasn't there that wasn't happening so those individuals really got hit hard restaurants got hit very very hard demonstratively hard because you know people were not coming in And and the restaurant industry, the food industry, they had to find different ways to thrive in this bare economy that they were finding themselves in. And hence, we have the outside bubbles of plastic where, okay, well, you can eat and have social distancing. Two or four people can eat in this bubble and that bubble. So they had to be very creative. But again, that's very stressful for them. But for those of us who are at home, no stress, having fun, doing things the way we want to at our own time, at our own pace.
0: Yes. So that's a challenge then for those of us who've had that, I'll call it luxury, of being able to do it in that way, now having to move back into the office space and p- potentially not wanting to. There's quite a tension there.
1: <laughs> yes, there is. And the SHRM Society for Human Resources Management, they had an article too, um, and they suggested that 27% of the individuals who are teleworking now probably will not want to go back into the office. And as you said, um, because it's taken away their flexibility, it's taken away their, their peace, there, it's taken away their, their balance that they've found and struck. Because if we look at it, and Kate, help me if I'm wrong or help me if I'm right, but to me, COVID was just change, Change. Some of us are not comfortable with change. And when we have changes that go on in the workplace, you know, some people dig their heels in, say, oh, I don't want to do this. Some people say, oh, let's do it. And it doesn't affect every industry. COVID affected everyone. And that change made everyone think differently, act differently, and work differently. And there was no, you know, Plan B, no, nope, we're not going to do the COVID thing. We're going to continue <laughs> on. There was none of that. You had to. So it's, it's a difference between wanting to and, and having to. And COVID made us do things differently. We picked up different skill sets through COVID, um, bosses and workers alike. We picked up different mindsets through COVID. And now asking workers to come back into the office, back into that workspace, back into the restaurant as they had in the past It's going to be different because change um, affects us, and sometimes it has life-changing attitudes that come with it, and we're going to find that now. People are going to be more more upset going back to work sometimes because – All of a sudden, they realize, okay, uh, I've got to hit the hour and a half commute again to work, from work. I've got to go back into the long lines at the gas station because more people will be filling up their cars. I'm going to have to go back to the boss looking every five minutes or calling me every five minutes. What am I doing? As opposed to, I had some autonomy at home. I had a little bit more space at home. I had my own pace at home. And, And there's going to be some resistance. And there's going to be some resistance on both sides. The bosses thought that they lost control when COVID hit and people were teleworking. All of a sudden, I can't go to Kate's office and ask her questions. All of a sudden, I can't go to Wayne's office and ask him questions. All of a sudden, I can't do this. I I have to do things differently. And so both sides are going to be stressing, and the bosses, when we come back to work, they're going to wonder, okay, what um, complications or challenges are we going to face now that we're all coming back into the workspace, and do we still have some kind of – social distancing protocols? Do we still wear the mask, not wear the mask, until everybody says, okay, it's all clear, you don't have to wear the mask anymore, and we can social distance? There's going to be a lot of questions that are still going to be asked that there's no answers to just yet.
0: Yes, there is going to be this kind of a a murky in-between period of transitioning from pandemic time to post-pandemic But as you mentioned, with some of the situations of, you know, cutting down on commute time and, you know, therefore saving on the stress of too many cars on the roadways getting there, it seems like a hybrid might be a good solution for everyone. Would leadership fall into making that happen? The answer is I hope so
1: (laughs) because if they have found themselves thriving, whatever industry they're in, if they found themselves thriving, again, going back to the skill sets that were learned over the last year and a half, because bosses had to trust their employees more. They're at home. They're away from me. I can't see them. I don't know what they're doing. I I don't have access to the computer. But on the reports that they're sending in, it looks like they're productive. Our numbers are up. So I'm, I'm willing to hope, willing to bet that there's going to be, as you said, a hybrid. I think management, and the employees are going to have to sit down and come up with a strategy. All right, do we do this 100% coming back into the office, or can we do it just 30%? Maybe you come into the office one day a week, two days a week. They're going to have those kinds of discussions throughout the leadership spectrum, as well as with their workers, because things have changed. And if I was very productive at home, and my boss wants me back in the office, I might say, well, look, boss. Um, I've been very productive at home. You've had no complaints. We have, our numbers are up. Why do I need to come back into the office? Can I come into the office once a week, twice a week? Can I call in? Can we do, you know, I hope those kinds of discussions will take place um, because if not, you know what? I fear of what may or may not happen.
0: So ideally, a good leader is going to, be open to all of this and embrace having some flexibility.
1: yes and Jen and I talked about that in you know it's a verb right um, mm-hmm. on several occasions because I was in now I was in the air Force and and the air Force one of the adages we had in the air Force was flexibility is the Key to air power. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if, if you're going to do one thing and somebody else is going to counter that, then you've got to be able to do something else and be ready to do that. And working in corporate America, the same things I found um, as I did when I was working in the military. You have to be nimble. You've got to be flexible. You've got to do the right things, but you've got to do it for the right reasons. It's, it's not because I say so. It's because it's better for us and, in the long run. And so when you have those kinds of things happening... It's a good thing. It really is. And it's a win win. It's a collaborative effort, and everyone benefits. But again, you've got to go back and we're going to have to find that new normal, that new balance between where we are, where we were in COVID, where we are going to be after COVID, because it's not over just yet, and where we want to be, you know, two years from now. And how can we put a team best together to get there?
0: Right. And that's. That's really the crux of it is how to get that because some people will say, well, let's just get back to normal. Well, it's not that normal was really ideal. And because a lot of changes happened, it can't be what it was. There's just no way of going back. So we have to be more forward thinking and how do we accomplish that, say, as an employee and You know, can we feel the empowerment to say something, or should our leadership already have all of that thought process going on for themselves?
1: You know what? I've been asked many times, should we as leaders motivate others, or should we as leaders help individuals motivate themselves? And I have said all the time, we as individuals, I don't care if we're leaders, if we're followers, if we're the worker bees, or whomever we are. We need to be motivating ourselves 100% of the time, all the time. You're absolutely correct, Kate. There's a conversation there that's waiting to happen between the employer and the employees as to what that new balance is going to look like or should look like. And if they don't have that conversation, that is going to be a detriment to that organization because, let's face it, most of the people I have ran into at work are smart people. <laughs> they have great ideas. They have good talent. They have good values. And if those talents are not purposefully used, then I think someone is, is missing the boat here. And if we don't listen to the employees, guess what? Let me ask you a question. Kate, if you were an organization and you were charged you know, blue widgets – if nobody worked in your department, can you make all those widgets by yourself?
0: Certainly not.
1: Certainly not. And
0: if leadership
1: doesn't understand that if they can't come to a collaborative effort with their workforce, they may find themselves <laughs> trying to do all of this by themselves because today people are not putting up with a lot of things. And it's all in the news. We, we see it all the time. And you know what? The control aspect of work is gone. The leaders should not be overbearing. It's not to do it my way anymore. It's you know, a collaborative effort. And if leaders come off counting and beating their chest and saying, no, you have to do it my way, um, workers today uh, have proven and shown that they'll walk. They'll take their value, their, their experience someplace else. So we need to be listening to them. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were having this kind of a conversation, and he said, you know, there are two kinds of cultures right now. There's the the old people that look like us, and I said, how about more mature? And he said, okay, more mature people that look like us, (laughs) and the youngsters coming up behind us. The more mature audience, and Kate, I hope you can agree with me on this, We tend to like that face-to-face interaction. We want to get on the phone or we want to get in front of someone and talk to them so we can see the body language, we can hear the articulation in their tone, we can hear all those kinds of things, get all those clues as to if they are agreeing with us, disagreeing with us, or what have you. But having that conversation face-to-face is what we cherish. The younger generation, they are socially connected by social media. And all we have to do is just say, okay, this is what I want you to do, and they'll go off and get that done. But they don't need us to be looking over their shoulder and saying, oh, no, do it this way, do it this way, do it this, because they are more tech-savvy than most of us older heads are. Mm-hmm. Would you agree?
0: Yes. And, yes.
1: and bringing that to the, to the forefront, talking about how we use that, in a positive way to strengthen our organization using the technology or the value that the younger generation has using the experience base and the hands on approach that the older generation look, if we could merge those two cultures to the culture that's in the middle. And as you called part at the beginning of our conversation, the work life balance, if we can kind of bring those two cultures together for work balance Oh, my goodness, it'll be a better better animal, be a better mousetrap.
0: And that just seems like so much common sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> certainly does. We don't need a college degree to, to, to tell us that either, do we?
0: Right.
1: And I'm glad you said that because here's one other thing I just thought of. We have told our kids, those of us who are parents or anyone, Don't touch that stove because it's hot and it will burn you. Have you ever said that? Yes. Okay. And what happens? The kid invariably most of the time touches it and it gets burnt. There are signs all over the place in construction. Oh, wet paint, don't touch. And what do you see people doing? They sneak up to the little sign and they touch the wall and, oh, man, it is wet paint. It is. We need to take those lessons and still employ them today with adults, with the older workforce, with the leaders, because leaders need to have that conversation or be told that too. If someone tells a leader, oh, you shouldn't do that, because if you do that, X is going to happen. And when it happens, they're going to be, they act as though they're as they surprised. Well, common sense would have told you if you told them to come back to work 100% of the time that they're not going to be 100% as productive as they were, if they don't listen to that, they should not be surprised when that does not happen. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense to you.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. So if we should have, okay, shouldn't you should, right? We ought to have learned in this time of COVID about change that things are changing I mean change is pretty constant anyway but here to really be open to it and use the opportunity to become more collaborative
1: absolutely yeah. absolutely and collaborative is the way is the way of the future um, and if we weren't collaborative Kate we would all be driving and if we weren't diverse, First of all, and collaborative, we would all be driving a four-door blue sedan. (laughs) Every one of us. (laughs) But because of collaboration, because of diversity, because of change, because of the opening of ideas to someone else, we have blue ones, red ones, pink ones, yellow ones. We've got sleek ones, sports car ones. We've got subs. We've got large cars, small cars. We've got all kinds of cars, and that happens at work as well. If you don't embrace diversity, if you don't embrace change, things don't move forward, and you stagnate, and you go
0: away. And that's where management leadership needs to, hopefully in that position, would already have that state of beings, that mindset. But if not, uh, maybe they're in the wrong place. (laughs) You get no argument here. (laughs) (laughs) And is that what, in your work, Wayne, is that what you're doing, is helping leadership be more open and flexible? Well,
1: I taught leadership for Boston University for about 14, 15 years. And actually, when Jennifer and I started to write the book, I kind of got my teaching, and I eventually stopped teaching because we were writing the book and having a lot of work to do research, a lot of work to put the words, proper words in the pages. But that's what I taught my, and I was teaching grad school, so that's what I taught my students. And they were saying, well, when can we employ these? When can we When can we do this? I said, well, we can do it starting today because based on where you are, you can implement these kinds of tools, implement these kinds of thought processes to those who are around you. And as you continue to rise in the organizations of which you are, because they were already smart individuals, they were already experienced individuals, they were already at the higher echelons of their jobs, they're now getting a master's degree in, in leadership, and this is going to take them further. And I say, you can start now because as you rise in your next promotions, you'll be able to articulate this and implement it on a larger scale. And those of you, those who have come up behind you would have already seen you putting these things in place. And if you continue to do this, this is easy. I, I say it's not about making change. I used to teach my students to help them prepare their workforce so that they can change. They should be changing all the time. And that was more important to me than anything else, helping them understand that we should be preparing our workforce for change all the time. So that when it happens, oh, this is just the norm, and we're just moving to a different cycle. We're just moving to a different product. We're just mo- whatever. Look at look at the iPhone. How many of the iPhone has there been? I, what is it now? Is it up to twelve or thirteen? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure either, <laughs> but, because I don't have an iPhone. But uh, but
1: but we, but we can certainly agree that it's not still iPhone one,
0: is it? Exactly.
1: It's now, I I think it's iPhone 12 or 13, at least 12. Um, If we were still the iPhone 1, my goodness, I I think individuals would be going, wow. Or if they had to go back to 1 from 12, Mm. oh, this is a dinosaur. Exactly. (laughs) Well, to some of us, that was new technology. Hey, this is great. But you see what I'm saying? Constant change, constant change. And and I think it was um, a Japanese company that did the, the Walkman radio, um, they had a policy that every six months they were coming out with a new product. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how long that lasted, but every six months they came out with something new. So change was already in their lineage and they were going to have a different product. And the question was, is it going to be a better product? Hopefully, is it going to be a better product than we have now? Hopefully as well, but they didn't know that, but they kept changing it. And constantly people were saying, wow, and that when we were saying, oh, in six months, this will be obsolete. In six months, that'll be obsolete. Well, technology has really shown that obsolescence is quicker today than it has ever been. And if we don't embrace that, then we're stuck, which goes back to work-life balance, which goes back to stress, which goes back to the employer pushing their employees to do better, faster, smarter, all those kinds of things. And it's just a Momentum that goes, and if you're not in that, I guess, movement, you're going to be standing on the sideline watching. Now, how do you balance that? I think is your question. Right. Jen and I talk in our book, you know it's a verb, right? About the five F's. And I'll, I'll let the re- your readers figure out what the five F's are, but it, but it certainly has to do with yourself, it certainly has to do with health. It certainly has to do with fun and fitness because if you're not a fit, healthy employee, whether you are a leader or a worker, you are no good to the organization because if you're taking many sick days off, the value that you brought to the organization, we are missing because you're not there. You've got to be healthy. You've got to be fit. You've got to be motivated to be there. Um, Campbell and Pritchard – in 1967, came up with a model that I absolutely love. (laughs) Now, Kate, I'm going to ask you a math question, all right? Okay. Okay. What is the answer to, what is any number multiplied by zero? What's the answer to that? If I multiply hundred by zero, what's the answer? Zero. Thank you. Campbell and Pritchard came up with a formula for performance. And they said that performance is a functionality of ability times motivation. Now, if your ability was 100%, you were the expert in your field. You were the expert at the, at the operational site that you're working. You were the expert at building this widget. But if your motivation was zero, are you going to be successful in building that widget? No, no, No. (laughs) the workforce, the leadership management, they've got to be having discussions today about how do we bring this back and how do we put the balance in there? Because if they're looking at that model, performance is the functionality of ability times motivation. We have the ability. Are the employees, are the workers, is the industry motivated to do it? And how do we keep them motivated? That's the questions they should be asking.
0: Right. So that's it. It's the communication, it's the openness and awareness of change, and then just incorporating collaboration.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and I like what you said, it's the communication. Communication is a two-way street. We've got to hear what is being said And those that are saying it have to hear the questions we have and answer those questions that we have. It's just like trust is a two-way street. The boss comes in or a new boss comes in, and we're automatically supposed to trust them because of the boss. No, (laughs) that boss has to earn our trust. We've got to be able to say, yep, I trust the new boss. I'm going to follow what the new boss wants us to do, and we'll do this. If the new boss comes in and, and it feels like I need to take a shower after I've talked to him or worked with him or her, um, I, I'm not very trustworthy, and I'm uh, I'm on the sideline looking and going, uh, this doesn't feel good, this doesn't feel right. But the boss also has to trust us to bring our A game to the fight as well. Would you agree?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. So communication is all of that and listening, and as as <laughs> as has been said. We were given two ears Mm. and one mouth, so we should be listening twice as long as we should be talking. And if the bosses aren't listening and they're doing more talking, they're missing that boat. But that is a conversation that has to be had. That is a skill set that has to be top of the list is communication and trust being just under that, and that goes a long way.
0: Well, this is really such important information for any of us, whatever it is that we are doing, and really begin to incorporate that. But this has been just slightly touching the tip of, I'll call it the iceberg, in terms of knowledge and information, and we can get more of that in your book. You know it's a verb, right? Correct? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then you have a website. Let's share that.
1: Sure. Our, my website is MindThinking.com, and my email address is Wayne at MindThinking.com. And, you know, I, as a matter of fact, even on that website, if, you, if one goes there, it has a link to a Facebook group that we're in that we do blogs. I have a blog on leadership, and we're talking about these kinds of things all the time on that blog. So come join. Take a look at MindThinking.com. Join the conversation, and golly. Kate, this has been a delight talking with you. I really appreciate it.
0: I trust that we've touched on some of the key things and your offer of certainly being engaged in the online site is a great way to continue the conversation. So, Wayne, Dr. Applewhite, it's just been wonderful to have your expertise with us this morning. Thank you so greatly. And pleasure speaking with you as well. I really enjoyed it.